Hey, what's up? So, Avalanche. Let's talk about it. What's, what's an avalanche? The snow comes down real fast, fierce, gains momentum. But I'm not talking about the natural disaster. Or if it's not really a disaster, I guess, if no one's around. But anyways, avalanche. What is it? You've heard about it. Now you're going to hear some more. It's an open source platform for launching decentralized finance applications, right? DeFi. That's what you want. Developers who build on Avalanche can easily create powerful, reliable, secure applications and custom blockchain networks with complex rule sets or build an existing private or public subnet. Right. I think what you should do right now is stop what you're doing. Even if it's listening to this podcast, stop, pull over, go to the gas station if you need to go to a subway. There's a subway like everywhere. There's always a subway. All right. Right, there's always a Kroger. Just stop in a parking lot somewhere. Go to avalabs.org to learn more. All right, stop. Go to avalabs. That's A-V-A labs, L-A-B-S dot org. Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's a Bitcoin Yo, 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 yo. If you respond in the Slack with how many yo's that was, I'll give you $5 in Litecoin. Facts. All right, so welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 329. Jeez Louise, still doing it. Week in, week out. I'm the host that talks first, Dimitrik. And I'm another host, Jesse. Yes, Jesse has stolen Corey's line. Yep. <laughs> Corey is Corey's still on a, a sabbatical. Um, he turned into the Incredible Hulk and it frightened me. So I said, "Bro, you need to chill." I said, "Chill, Daddy, chill." So he's <laughs> so he's so he's so he's so he's taking a break. He's chopping wood in the forest. You know, doing whatever. He needs to do probably wearing some kind of flannel shirt. Where he wears lots of flannel shirts, uh, and listening to like uh, Arcade Fire. I, I think that's a band. It sounds right. Anyways, welcome to the Bitcoin podcast. Uh, we sometimes talk about Bitcoin, but most times talk about whatever the hell we like. Uh, you know, we got caught like that now. We're OGs. That's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> Jesse, how was your week? It's uh, it's been good. Just uh, just, just good. studying, just studying, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you should listen to the Rocky Four soundtrack when you study. I uh, I should, I will. Um, 
Sorry, you shouldn't. I shouldn't tell you what to do. You're a grown man. I recommend. I recommend listening the Tron, to the Rock. The Tron was a great recommendation. It was, isn't it? It gets you in the yeah. zone, bro. And then you know, it's another one is the Inception soundtrack. And listening to that like 15 minute track on that Inception yeah. soundtrack, it like they built it up to like the beginning of a dream, and then like somewhere around the middle, you're in like REM sleep, and it's like intense as shit. And then they pull you out of the dream. It's a really good song. It's like 15 minutes long. I think it's called like uh, The Dream. Yeah. So, so, and also the Star Trek soundtrack is pretty good as well. Oh, Star, then, yeah. The, the movie one that they recently mm-hmm. came out with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. And Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. I don't know about that soundtrack. one. I don't no, know I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Which one? Which movie? It's just uh, like The Map yeah. Room. The Map Room is one of the greatest songs of all time. I don't think I know that one by name. Is that a is that a real song or are you just pulling my leg? No, it's a real song. When he was in the room and the sun came through and put the sun the sunshine through the little hole and showed him where to find the the stuff. Are you googling it? Are you googling? Are you fact checking me? Listen. Yeah. I knew all soundtracks. Oh my god, you like this song? This song is ugh. all right. <laughs> I know all soundtracks. I'm the best soundtrack knower. <laughs> you know, you know what I did watch. What's up? It was a terrible movie. I watched uh, Priest. You ever seen that, that movie? Is shit in a bag, bro. <laughs> Wet, moist shit in a bag. That movie is terrible, but it's fun to watch when you're literally trying to waste time. Like you yeah. know, when you're like, I want to be a terrible human right now. I'm gonna put on some junk. I'm gonna go grab some junk food, and I'm gonna put on a movie that is terrible. And you watch it, and you're like eating the junk food, and like I am ruining my mind and my body simultaneously. Oh my god! Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what I felt like without the. <laughs> anyway, so let, let's talk about crypto. That's why everyone's here. So if you're new to the show, uh, go listen to our old stuff, man. We talk about all kinds of stuff. Now we just loosey goosey. We do what we want. Um, you know, if you want to, if you're if you're falling head over heels with Bitcoin, you need to get information on information on information. You can listen to some of our old shows. You can listen to on ramping. Um, we're just gonna try to stay current. We're gonna try to talk to the things and we philosophize now. Um, but a lot's been happening in Bitcoin. PayPal. PayPal has eighty five percent the volume of Binance, and it's been around one month. Dang, it does. Yeah, dude. One month, 85% the volume of, of Binance. Now, that's cool, right? That's really cool. And that, that to me, that is what I've been talking to for years as far as there's always going to be supply issues for Bitcoin, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you've got this another massive exchange. Who's who's going to be next? You know, we've, are, we've also gotten the... Um, we've also seen that the... Um, not the CFTC, maybe it's the SEC, has granted banks the ability to be custodians of all U.S. people, right? So that's going to be another massive influx of volume when all of a sudden someone opens their Chase banking app or their Bitcoin or their Bank of America or their Wells Fargo or their Citi banking app, and they see like, oh, you here's some, you want, you want to buy Bitcoin here? You want to take some of your dollars and make them Bitcoin? We'll do that for you. We'll do that. Right. So all of a sudden you see these volume spikes and you see these liquidity events and you see the price of Bitcoin go up and up and up and up. Because now that narrative is starting to sink in that this can be a replacement to gold and this can be a place to store your value. And once that starts happening and it starts giving government blessing, then it's a wrap, Jesse. 
What size is your boat going to be, dog? $25 million. $25 million boat. No, 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 no. Uh, at $25 oh. million, American users on PayPal are closing in on Binance US trading volume within a month since launching crypto services. Mm-hmm. But that's not that much, though, right? $25 million? No, yeah. that's not that much. I'm pretty sure there's somebody who just shit out $25 million. Somebody rushing. Somebody's it's the 24-hour volume that they're comparing? Let's yes, see. sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Huh. So... I mean, that's cool. But the thing that sucks about that for you new Bitcoin and crypto, you new Bitcoin and cryptoettes out there, you new people, you you rabbit hole divers, is that they've pretty much said up front, hey, all your private key, all your private keys are belong to us. Oh, so, hey, wait, wait, let me let me uh, let me make sure that that news headline that you spit out was correct so there's a there's a caveat to what you said right so the trading volume of paypal at 25 million dollars is closing in on binance.us is trading volume not that is the small print that That still makes sense yeah because uh coinbase and kraken they do more than 500 million dollars and i think that looks like yeah, that's 24-hour volume. So so Bitcoin, uh, no, on Bitcoin.us. I think Binance is $30 million in 24 hours, and then Coinbase, Pro, and Kraken are $500 million every 24 hours. Oof. That's a billion so they're, every they're, two they're days. Yeah, they're nowhere near. Okay. All right, cool. Well, thank you for thank you for clearing that up. Yeah. That's dope. I we thought, should do that more Play, often. Our, I thought PayPal would be having more volume than what they are having right now then well it's only been a month right that's true. so that's true. wait until the real real super duper boom starts hitting with this stuff you know so would you i mean would you would you buy like pretend you're you're somebody who has never touched crypto right and they see it pop up into into their paypal would you, you even not, think about, would you even think about buying bitcoin if you see it at 20 something thousand dollars depends on my circle depends on my circle okay that's a good answer what would your circle be telling you? Buy Bitcoin. At twenty thousand dollars? Yeah. Um, okay. Right? You do do you realize how incredibly early we are, Jesse? How early I don't we know, are? Man. I had this talk like, with I, I, I keep trying yeah. to go ahead. Do your thing. Talk. No, no, talk no. Okay. So the, no. so the interview the interview that I had last weekend, right? Or mm-hmm. or the weekend before, uh, with Andrew and he's with btc parsers was the fact that like i think i agree with everybody that bitcoin is going to be on the up and up for forever for the foreseeable future right i think it's gonna it's gonna be steady growth but the thing is like i was thinking about this like i'm more interested in in like like i guess it's like boomer tech now right it's not but go on (laughs) it's like i want i want a horse that is more wild than Bitcoin. Bitcoin is like that donkey, right? Like you, you know, it has a fixed speed. It's like I, I like I, I got used to the altcoin and the DeFi and all the, you know, the super high insane volatilities, dopamine hits, you know. So what you're saying is you like heroin and not water. 
That's what that's the I, comparison I think, that you're trying to make right now. I think I think I think it's like once you've tried like vaping, it's like why would you go back to cigarettes? Because you look cooler. Why? Ah, yeah, I don't know. Dude, I don't the know. only it's, reason it's, people smoke is because it makes you look cool. That's it. That's the only reason. Okay, that, was poor, that was a poor comparison then. Uh think think about uh hmm. I don't know if I can come up with another one on the fly. Maybe like a reliable car versus like a super sports car that oil changes cost like $3,000 a month or some shit. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think what you're talking about is how you assess risk, right? Risk is a very, very important thing. Like I almost wish that with I, I went into like actuarial sciences when I was younger. I got excited about it because being able to calculate risk and predict risk and make decisions based upon the risks involved and the parameters involved is like such a powerful science. And what you're saying, Jesse, is you're at an age where you are willing to take more risks with your finances because you're young, you're intelligent, you know your earnings potential, right? So flushing a few Benjis down the toilet doesn't mean much for you because you can take on more risk. Yeah, your name. Okay. I, I hear what you're saying, but then there's also the 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 value in investing in new tech, right? Like you're like I don't know about you, but like I'm looking for the next thing that's going to be doing better things than the current thing. Oh, you're such an American. Just you know, insatiable. Like, you're just insatiable. Like 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 right now we have the opportunity to essentially be like not not true VCs, but essentially VCs in crypto. micro VCs. Right. We are micro yeah. VCs. Why not? Right? Well, Why nobody's saying just... we're not. Like we we are. Like yeah. I there's Bitcoin is not the only thing that I'm invested in. In fact, if I'm being a red blooded American, I should say all the things that I'm invested in. So everybody knows and I don't have any bias. Should I do that right now? Should, isn't that what they do? Isn't I mean, that what you're supposed to do? I what do you mean? Like tell Aren't you supposed to say like, have? yeah, I'm invested in these things, so when I talk about them, don't take it as investment advice. Yes, like that's the, what they do at articles, at the end of articles. Okay, so let me do that right now, audience, right? And this hashtag not investment advice, bitches. Don't sue me. If you try to sue me, I'm slapping. I'm going to slap your mustache <laughs> off your face and your neck beard off of your body. All right? Uh, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash, Avalanche, Handshake, DNT, OX, um little bit of algo um link um s t uh omg um what's the other ones well let me just get let me get my list people are so like these, probably thinking like what are these new acronyms like lol you like <laughs> they're probably like writing them down like goo, goo, goo. I thought oh, what he has. Like, uh, was like for dentists. I I, I always thought that, and, uh, and I looked it up, and it's it's not. But I thought it no. was. Isn't that like the healthcare one? DNT. No, DNT is District OX. Um, oh, okay. LPT Wait, no, no, RVT. Wait, DNT is District OX. Really? Dis- yes, District OX. Not not. You're thinking about OX zero X. Sorry, zero X. District zero. Yeah, yeah. Um, S and T, RVT, BAT, OMG, Ether, 
Ethereum Classic. Um, so there's a lot of things that I'm best in because I too am like Jesse, where I'm trying to just have a portfolio that I behaves. Want <laughs> huh? I want maximum alpha. Maximum gains. <laughs> That's you right now. <laughs> I want the gains. What's the voice from the fucking game Overwatch where he's like, uh, where the fucking the old guy puts on the visor? What does he say? Oh, I don't know. I you know who I'm talking yeah. about? Soldier 76 or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, I don't know. what does he say? You know what he says. I really don't know. But then he Bro, you play Overwatch everybody. all the time. How dare I you? I really have not touched video games in months since I started <laughs> how, studying this stupid exam. How dare you lie to the public? I am not. I wish I wasn't. I really wish I knew that voice line. Making me look this up on air. Look at us sound a number. Look up professional. What does Self seventy six say when he ults? He says, "I've I got you in my sights." That's, oh, that's, that's yeah. That's, that's so. Then you, Jesse, that's what you. Yeah. That's what you're like with your crypto portfolio. You're like, I, I guess. want all the gains every time you look on your wallet. <laughs> and then and then and then and then I lose money. And then it's like, ah, yeah. I've yeah. got all the gains. And then you're like, you're, you're like, the like <laughs> you hop into the investment group like guys. I just went. 50% portfolio on Tron. Oh, know God. about it. Know about it, baby. And they're like, what did you, why did you do that? And you're like, because I got the gains in my sights. That's why. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> Joe and I are like, because we're retarded back in 2017. <laughs> Y'all need to be like, negative gains are my shit. That needs to be your saying. Oh, God. All right. So, yes, that's a good point, audience, if you're listening, is that, like, when you are into crypto, you're a micro VC, because the ace, the, the asymmetric gain, the upside, is so high, but the risk is so low. For example, the company that Corey works for, Status, open source company, building open source private protocols for communication on blockchain networks, even on the internet, right? It costs two and a half pennies to buy one Status token. Yeah, with... You have to remember that fully diluted value is what you always want to compare to. What do you mean by that? So you, you want to like, they don't have all their tokens in circulation. And so you want to, you want to they make have sure a lot in circulation, right? They, but they don't have all right. So you always want to compare its current value to the fully future value. value. No, yes. no, no, fully diluted value based on current uh, token prices. Mm -hmm. So like if it's worth two cents, right? But then they've only put out, say, a million, but then they plan on putting out a billion, right? Mm -hmm. You have to look at the, the, the schedule of, you know, liquidity, like when they're yes, going to be yeah. releasing those 900 Jesse million. Jesse is absolutely right. You want to try and guess, like, what could be the maximum potential of this token, given how many tokens aren't in circulation and the current value, right? That's, that's pretty, that's right. a very, very good point you bring up, right? A lot of people don't do that. They're just like, ooh. Two pennies, I'm buying, baby. Not knowing that like the maximum cap it could ever get to if it were best performing is like ten pennies, right? right? So a lot of these, a lot of these companies have such an astronomical amount of tokens that they're going to be issuing into circulation is because if the functionality that they're going for is met and they have this highly functional network, then you can't afford to have an extremely expensive token on a highly functional network because the velocity can't be fast on an extremely expensive token, right? So it's there's a lot of moving pieces to this, huh? I don't know about that because if, if token value goes up, there there are mechanisms for which they're prepared to keep at the same speed. Like the speed is not 
entirely affected. Like Ethereum is that unique case when when the price goes up, it's it's underlying transactional uh, token for smart contracts. The gas is affected, right? There are other protocols where that's not the case, right? That's true. That's yeah. true. So you're only talking about you're only talking to protocols like Ethereum then. Very true, very true. Um Yes, you're not wrong. You're absolutely right. Um But I don't even know where this is going anymore. I've been distracted. Let's talk about what's happening with all the other projects though. So like what's happening with Ethereum? Uh Ethereum's going to ETH two point but we're not really cogent. I can't speak cogently to that. Corey can. But I can't. I mean, I don't really know what I, I thought I knew what the 2.0 meant, but apparently it's for security and not throughput. It's just for security. So, you know, I don't even see the incentive for people to lock up 32 ETH and get paid nothing just to secure the network. Like, ain't no such thing as a free lunch, baby. So I Wait, really don't. Huh? Like the same thing. Isn't it going to be the same thing? Like they get 30 percent uh, ROI for like the first, you know, I forget how long it is, but basically it's. It's it's uh l- it's luring rates of return for being the like one of the you know original stakers. I thought. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. We're we're both guessing when Corey actually knows. So we should yeah, wait to talk to that when Corey that's gets true. back. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, Avalanche has a pretty great distribution. In fact, its distribution is competitive with that of Bitcoin of how many wallets own how much Avalanche. So um, that's a plus. It's, it's a, that's a plus because most most projects outside of Bitcoin, the distribution falls with like 1% of the people have like a large, large amount of that actual token that's in circulation. So um, good for Avalanche. Um, I mean, I really don't know updates on all those projects I just listed. Um, what I do know is billionaires are drinking that Bitcoin Kool-Aid, Jesse. That's what I do know. Hmm. You don't seem too excited about that. Why? I know. No, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know. Like, like. Okay, so so um, Alicia sent us this link, right? Showing yeah. us uh, who holds the most Bitcoin right now. Yeah, I think it's like uh, Treasuries, BitcoinTreasuries.org. I don't, I don't see. Uh... Oh wow! Wow, this is interesting. Let's just go down the list, right? So publicly traded companies who have now divested some of their balance sheet into Bitcoin. This is wow. So Micro MicroStrategy Incorporated. It's listed on the NASDAQ. It has a market cap of 1.7 billion. Um, and now they have 38,250 Bitcoin, right? Woo. Galaxy Digital Holdings. Um, its symbol is TSX. Sorry, the symbol is GLXY. The symbol of MicroStrategy on the NASDAQ is MSTR. Now, GLXY only has um, 365 million, 365.4 million as a market cap in dollars. Galaxy Digital, owned by Novogratz. Mm, okay. 72% of their market cap is in Bitcoin, uh, as to where MicroStrategy is 34%. Right. But the basis price uh, for Galaxy Digital Holdings is 134 million. 
it's a holding company, right? It's like it's like a it's like a hedge fund. Yeah, and MicroStrategy is an actual company. Mm-hmm. That's their free cash. That's, like, the that's their free flowy cash that, that they dumped into Bitcoin. They have sixteen thousand six hundred fifty-one Bitcoin. Wow, that's a lot. How much does old uh, GB, GBTC have? Four hundred and eighty-one thousand Bitcoin. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> that's so much money. Oh my gosh. Oh my six billion dollars. Oh my Dios. That is a very wealthy man. He, it's too bad he looks like a Bond villain, that guy. Barry Silbert. Uh-huh. He looks like a Bond villain. He does. He looks like if he wasn't American, he'd be like, Hello, Mr. Bond. Welcome. I see you're in right the predicament, Mr. Bond. There's a laser. Anyways. So Square Inc., that Square Inc., um, only 0.1% of their balance sheet is in Bitcoin, and they own 4,709 Bitcoin. So, you know, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Uh, only 74 million of it is in Bitcoin. That'll, that'll increase. It's Twitter man's uh, second company. Mm-hmm. Right? That's Mr. Tweets. Mr. Dorsey himself. Mr. Tweetability. Hey, homie. If you got seventy four grand as an asset, and that's only point one percent, I mean, why don't you just you know pay some engineers to start making crypto usable for the GPPs? I'm still gonna try to hold you accountable for that, even though you're never gonna listen to my podcast. But you're really not taking a good route on that, my man. That's all I'm saying. There's a lot of people that own a lot of Bitcoin now. Tezos Foundation actually owns 24,000 Bitcoin. So that's why they speak so boldly with their stuff. Block.1, 140,000. But these are private companies. This is a very interesting website. Um, Alicia, thank you. Holy shit. So if you put all these companies together, it's only 814,000 Bitcoin and 3.88% of the entire Bitcoin that's in circulation. Now, we also know that that number is a little bit higher because out of the 21 million, roughly one and a half million will probably be lost forever or burned. But and you know that the uh, the Wingle loss. They also own at least one percent. Yeah. So <laughs> they own a lot. Yeah. They own they own a fourth of all of these companies put together. And the Coinbase isn't on here. Is it not? Yeah. It's For not. the love of God, how much do you think Coinbase has? Many, Coinbase many. probably has fucking like seven hundred fifty thousand Bitcoin, bro. Like it's yeah. got to be absurd. But yeah. you know, if we're looking at this, so so here's the thing. This is this is thing. This is what I've been preaching for a while. This is of of all public, private, and fund like companies. This is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. They should number this: seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four. This is twenty-four companies. Think about how many wealthy individuals. Think about how many companies left that are going to get bit by the Bitcoin bug, that are publicly traded. There's all kinds of companies that would have 
uh, incentive to go buy a bunch of Bitcoin because their balance sheet is looking weird and they want to make some move for tax purposes, whatever. You never know how that goes. So this is just 24 companies. Like hundreds of companies in the NASDAQ. There's, I mean, you see what I'm saying, Jesse? Is like, yeah, Bitcoin's going up, bro. Like, we're in the very beginning of this shit. Still, I've been in this since for like almost, almost eight years. And it's still the very, very, very beginning. Very beginning. Hmm. Imagine if Walmart was just like, you know what? Just for shits and giggles, I'm going to buy about a billion Bitcoin. Just keep it on the balance sheet. Whatever. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, there's so much upward mobility with with Bitcoin. Just Bitcoin. Let's see. So we are at 453 billion market cap. Mm -hmm. So in order for Bitcoin to be... So I, I know that people are estimating Bitcoin to be millions. Like a million, right? Dollars. Yeah, some people do that. That's a big goalie. That's that's gonna happen before I right before I die maybe, <laughs> like that's gonna happen many decades from now. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But to some of those other projects, Jesse isn't wrong if you're listening. Like, one, if you're listening to this and you're new, you most likely got into Bitcoin because of the price and how it relates to your purchasing power locally, wherever you might be. Yes, one Bitcoin has a lot more purchasing power than a dollar, a lot more purchasing power than a pound, a euro, an Australian dollar, Canadian dollar. You list it, Bitcoin's better. Um, now, since you're getting, you might be getting your first taste of what it means to own an asset that, that grows and shrinks outside of cash, because cash doesn't really grow and shrink. A dollar is a dollar. A Canadian dollar is a dollar. It is what it is. You work hard, you get more. You don't spend, you, you save more. With assets like Bitcoin, that in relation to your local currency, they grow. So if you're getting that taste and you like the way it feels and you want to say, oh, I want to try some of these other cryptos, then go for it. The risk is low, but don't be stupid about that shit. Don't like, you know what I, you know what, like, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, you know, sell my house, you know, put three, $200,000 in Bitcoin and just let it ride. And, and stay in Motel 6s for a year. I don't know. Like, don't do anything irrational. Because you never know what happens. You don't want to put yourself in that position. So, hashtag not investment advice. Let it rip. <laughs> uh. Anyways, Jesse, what, what's up, man? You bring some, what, what do you want to talk to you today? Um, I don't know. I honestly haven't really kept up much with the space, to be quite honest. I've been letting everything just kind of like ride while I focus on other things. That's, that's fair enough, man. Life is what happens. Life is what happens. Alicia just uh, posted that Square Cash does do grants to help with Bitcoin development. Uh, SquareCrypto.org. So they're doing their part. Sorry, Mr. Dorsey. Oh, look at that. So apparently a recent article just a few hours ago, a Bitcoin whale just shorted $100 million in Bitcoin. Did he win the short or did he get liquidated? Oh, he just put a short in for a million dollars. put a short in. That's not bad because 
Bitcoin usually takes a little dip in December. So that's actually a pretty good rip. He's probably going to make a good turn on that. So good for him. Well, we see you. Yeah, Bitcoin usually takes a little dippy dip in December. So, um, but then in January, the dip stops. And then the rip starts. So we'll see. I wonder if like, so this year's all-time high was 16.2. I wonder what next year's all-time high is going to be. What do you think? What's your bet? 18? 18.2? I'll say 20. 20, maybe a little over 20. I think we go to 42 next year. I don't think we go to 42. I don't think so. I think this time next year, we're at 3839. We're okay. at 3839 this time next year. November, November 2021. Mark my words, audience. Mark your words. We'll Mark them. 20, 20s. <laughs> I bet you we're at 38. Okay. Oh, I bet we're still going to be in the 20s. And we'll have two to three more MicroStrategy-esque public announcements of asset divesting. I think that could happen, but we'll still be in the 20s. <laughs> That's a good point. Lisa says we're still getting close to 17,000. A lot of people bought. So people are waiting to break even and maybe even get gains. We'll go to 42K if America gets a six-month UBI because of COVID. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting point. I don't wait, Alicia, what are the chances that do you think are to happen? A six month UBI really high if the if the Democrats win the Senate, which it's looking like they will. um, If the Democrat wins the Senate, that dethrones Mitch McConnell, that puts a Democrat there. And that means that we we're going to we're going to get a stimulus package that is concurrent with the fuckery that's been going on on the planet lately. So how does how how would that UBI work? <laughs> People get like a thousand bucks a month. Like that for, that would for, be a UBI. In addition to your job? Yes. If you okay. if you have a job, yeah. Everybody gets it. Everybody in the country gets a UBI. All right, we're definitely going to be beyond 20 something white. We're going to be in the 30 something trillion dollars of debt. <laughs> well, that I don't know if you've been reading. I actually read what the 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 Fed chairman uh, writes on a weekly basis uh, because I'm a I'm a very boring man. Um, but so, what are you picking up that he's putting down? He's trying to leave like tea leaves of the the economy is uniquely changing for the foreseeable future, and I think it's something that they've been building towards for a very very long time, where they're trying to train the masses. That dollar bills don't mean shit and credit does because credit keeps you emboldened to their system. So they're trying to train the masses slowly over time to deal in credit. Right. Um, you can see it everywhere. It's easy as shit. Now your credit, there's 30,000 credit apps. You can always look at your credit number. You can now they're teaching people over time how to manage debt, how to use debt. Right. Um and now that the government has been just dealing in debt, essentially, for the past hundred years or so, then now they're trying to teach the masses how to do it, too. So 
I mean, the the debt makes no sense, right? We're 30, 20. How many trillions of dollars in debt is the U.S.? I don't know. I think like 28 last time I checked. Jesus Christ, that went up fast. If it's 28, I'm kind of scared. But what he's saying is the things that he's saying. 27.2. It went from like 14. Yeah. Oh, my God. It went from like 14 to 27.2 in four years. That's crazy. Yeah. Yep. So I, what he's trying to say is the economy is uniquely different, and that debt number doesn't mean shit. We're going to be printing money and doing shit for a long time. Get used to it. Yeah, but other countries won't like that. Yeah, but when has the U.S. given a fuck what other countries think? Well, the, I guess it depends. If if they stop buying our dollars, right, we lose strength on the international market. That's, That's fair. Everything that you're saying bad. is true. That's bad for 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 both the U.S. at a at an international level, like at a state level, and it's also bad for us at, at an individual consumer level. Well, he's just saying we have nukes. No one is going to collect the debt. They will just not work with us. <laughs> yeah, We're getting into territories that, like we can't even talk to cogently. But what I would say is that you like saying cogently now. <laughs> I do like saying cogently because it's like a good word, bro. It is. It's a good look. It's a good word. What I'm saying is, uh, I used to say nevertheless all the time. I used to say it uh, like five times an episode. But anyways, nevertheless, concordantly, vis-a-vis. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe we should study macroeconomics for the next episode and lead in with violins. Oh, that would be nice. Yes. Today, we are going to talk about the geopolitical effects of <laughs> currency wow. wars. Currency wars. All right. Get, so, like, bubble gum pipes. Bubblegum pipe? What's a bubblegum pipe? I don't know, like, you know, like a cob, cob pipe from, like, bubblegum. Mm-hmm. You know what they this... do? They just sit around talking about macro shifts. Yes. Like yes, they do. If there is a conflict in Saharan Africa, then there will be nationalization of oil field. Like, that's how they all talk, I feel. That's how all of them talk. None of them. Like, even if they go to the gas station, they're like, do you have the tropical fruit flavor Starburst? And they're like, what yeah, was man. Movie, uh, was it Trading trading Places with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. They're like, the, the guys who are trading on Wall Street, like those mm-hmm. guys are how I imagine people who talk about money shifts yeah. are like. And they all talk like. <laughs> I do not yeah, prefer. Broccoli cheddar hot, broccoli cheddar hot pockets. I prefer pepperoni. <laughs> pepperoni. They gotta say every single syllable in the word. There we go. Could you hang out with somebody who talks like that, Jesse? Would you like to play PlayStation tonight, my friend? That would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Alfred. I would play. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I need to uh, do something with my life. So let's go into the interview. <laughs> so well, today we interviewed, uh, or sorry, we're going to act like he was in the studio. This We got Andrew coming down into the studio. Like we totally didn't interview him like a week ago. 
And, uh, you know, he's going to drop some Bitcoin parser knowledge on us. You know, what's it mean to parse that Bitcoin, baby? Parsing those bits, baby. So, uh, <laughs> you got anything you want to say, Jess, before we, before we do this? No, it was kind of cool. So, he was going to a supercar meetup, and he's from Switzerland. So, mm. lots of interesting information, tidbits. He, he actually went to university here in the U.S. So, oh, okay. He's a, he's a double major, IT and finance economics. Mm. He's got the right recipe. Let's see if he fucking cooked it up. Here it is. Uh, this is Alicia, the producer, doing a little bit of an intro here. Uh, we are with who has created a very interesting product here for the blockchain space, which is BTC Parser uh, Bot. And Jesse is our host. So, uh, Jesse, take it away here. Hey, so thank you, Alicia. Um, so, welcome to the podcast, everybody. I've got with me Andrew, and uh, he's with BTC Parsers. And he's been working at, um, I guess, the project for some time now. And I'm just going to kind of let it, let it uh, go to you, Andrew. All right. Thank you. Um, should I start directly with the... Yeah. So tell us a bit about who you are and uh, the projects you're interested in and how you came into the blockchain space. Sure. So uh, Andrew from Switzerland. Um, I studied in the U.S., in Virginia. In, uh, uh, I started 19 years ago over there, so things have evolved. And um, um, I came back to Switzerland after my studies. Um, it was in, mostly in finance, economics, and IT. And um, so I came back to Geneva, and I worked for uh, five wonderful years in an American cosmetics company. And um, so it was a very comfortable and uh, pleasant environment. But um, I was not really in the mood to spend my, my, uh, my lifetime there. And I was desperately seeking uh, a way out to, uh, to quit a bit the office job and uh, seek other creative uh, aspirations. And uh, so uh, through a lot of um, soul searching and uh, positive affirmations, I uh, stumbled upon uh, Bitcoin on uh, December 31st, 2010, uh, before going out to um, a very repetitive uh, party. And before going out, I was inspired to um, visit a US website of a, of a foundation, the EFF, I guess you know of, the Electronic, yeah, Electronic Frontier. Frontier. Yeah. And I'd read about them for many months, and I thought they, they seemed to be doing a good job. And I, before going out one night, I thought I would go check out their website. And uh, on their website, there was a big um, donate button in Bitcoin, mm -hmm. which, uh, which obviously piqued my, my interest. And I, um, so I clicked and uh, read, uh, read through the concept. And uh, I admit I was um, very enthusiastic. And I had something to talk about at the New Year's party. <laughs> um, there was a very little um, echo, shall I say. Not much, um, didn't inspire many other people that night, but um, I was pretty, pretty motivated and convinced. And, um, and then on the 3rd of January, 2011, I, I made my first um, Bitcoin uh, transaction purchase. Yeah. With, uh, with Mt. Gott at the time in Finland. 
and um, and then I went all in uh, the following months, and uh, a few months later I resigned uh, from my my job, and uh, with the uh, intention and the humble conviction that that would be my last uh, regular job at least. Uh, so obviously it was not a it was not a peaceful road. Huh? It uh, it went up all the way up to thirty two dollars that year. That's when I resigned at the peak, of course, and it went all the way back down to two. But uh, I was already out, and um, yeah, so that was my beginning in Bitcoin. Um, wow, so I was you're really a, yeah? you're really an OG, like twenty ten. Uh, end of twenty ten, huh? early twenty eleven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I was a bit. Um, I was very uh, eager, um, and obviously not everything was thought through, but I thought there was uh, great fundamentals to the Bitcoin, especially it provided an answer a bit to my uh, ongoing questions of like, why doesn't someone come up with a better system for our monetary system? Yeah. And um, my thought at the time was that someone actually did it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, so and and the rest is history, as they say. But yeah. so as of that date, so I've been pretty active daily on on different aspects around Bitcoin, and um, and then uh, three years ago we set up a, a more um, uh, business oriented company with uh, two two partners in Geneva, Crypto mm -hmm. Conseil Suisse, and uh, so that's a bit to help uh, in general with understanding, interacting with blockchain. With a with a strong focus on security, because obviously over the last nine years, I've I've learned a few things about what a Bitcoin is, how to store it, etc. And yeah. um, as I like to claim, I've made all the mistakes possible, and uh, so that's all this value added that I that I and we um, um, do our best to put forth, so that we don't all have to make the same mistakes, and we can uh, a bit learn from each other. Yeah. And um, and try to get a, a slight head start on this um, great technology, which is um, progressing uh, one day at a time. Awesome. Um, so you've, really, then, uh, you've really come sorry. a long way since you, you started. So like getting in late 2010, for me personally, like I got in, I got in in 2015, and that was because of a black market for video games I used to play during, my, uh, during, during school, basically. Yeah, and so I came in it from like a completely different direction, and it's it's I you know, to, to be honest, I'd like to like personally hear like how, so how did how did you how did you how did you merge the two? I guess like how even even now, so your background is in finance and and IT, right? Economics, finance, IT. Absolutely. Um, two bachelors from UVA, for the record. Oh wow! But in, okay. um, commerce, school of commerce, and the economics. Yeah, I got you. The previous in the previous interview, we talked to um, the guy who founded Ampleforth, and he has a background. He's a mechanical engineer with a background in robotics, and he was talking about how he came into the circles of conversation around trying to build a better money just kind of similar to what you're talking about. So when you read the white paper, you kind of had this idea that this could actually be something. This could be something that could replace, that could be more sound currency. And Absolutely. so that's, that's super, that's, 
That's super interesting. On many levels. Reddit, yeah. So maybe you can talk to that and how you've been building and how you've been, yeah, I guess the projects you currently are working on. Yeah, well, um, there's the, there's the um, endless problem of long-term storage of Bitcoin, which, uh, which has um, kept me busy and, uh, uh, for quite a while. Because uh, uh, I think it's relating to IT in general, and be it on uh, compact disks, USB sticks, floppy drives, is how yeah. to store something um, for the long term. Because if you do not keep up to date with the intermediary devices, you can end up not being able to access your your old data. Even today with a CD, obviously you can still access the CD, but it's not that uh, it's not that easy. And if you wait a few more years, I think the CD, if you're not prepared to to maintain an access device, I mean, you could end up being um, kept out of it. Yeah. Just like I found recently an old uh, CD from 2011, a backup Bitcoin CD. Yeah. I mean, that's typically something uh, in 10 years' time is how will I be able to uh, open that? So um, the storage is, uh, is something that has um, intrigued me, and uh, I think there's a great value added in, uh, in making progress and understanding that. And then there's the uh, projects related, obviously, to the to the parser, which uh, which is interesting on the, on a few levels. Um, typically, as it relates, and as I try sometimes to explain and illustrate one point of view with regards to Bitcoin and the blockchain, is this um, transparency concept, where the where the ledger is available, as opposed to our current system where the banks, etc., is a very opaque um, system which gives no, no visibility for anyone. And so this, uh, so this blockchain offers the opportunity to have um, raw access to highly reliable information, since it's direct on the blockchain. There's, uh, there's, we have reduced the number of intermediaries giving us information to a maximum, as we yeah. can access things uh, in a very raw fashion. So that helps, obviously, on understanding the, the flow of Bitcoins and money in the world. Uh, being able to validate or or contradict news information that you could read elsewhere with, with regards to movement of bitcoins and the transaction fees etc it it gives the opportunity to be able to to double check and confirm other news that you could read elsewhere like for example if you filter out all the addresses which just serve as a um, transit address so it's basically, typically when you deposit on an exchange, it's automatically um, transferred to another address. So that creates two transactions, but actually there was only one real um, user depositing cryptos. Mm -hmm. So if you can filter out all these um, automatic transactions, then you can, you can get a, bit of, a better view of what actually is moving and what actually um, users are conducting in terms of transactions. Um, and then obviously there's a keeping track of uh, movements of old wallets. That's always a, a, an interesting uh, venture. Right. You know, to see when uh, typically when the Satoshi coins move or thousands of Bitcoins moving for that have not been touched since uh, nine, eight, nine or more years. 
you know, that's depending on the amount, that could be an indication of something um, imminent about to happen. And like uh, the recent headlines were because I, I forget who, who moved the almost a billion dollars worth, or maybe it was a little over a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin lately. Uh, it was uh, it was roughly an amount of 69,000 Bitcoins. Uh -huh. um, it was related to a, a wallet file, which uh, dating back to the Silk Road and the um, infamous uh, Ross uh, Ulbricht. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the first dark web uh, market. Right, right. And... Um, yeah, so it was related to that wallet, which had accumulated 69,000, so it was slightly shy of a billion dollars. Yeah. And um, that's so a lot, that was the lot of money. I see. Wow. And, and so thanks to our parser, um, yeah, that, w that enabled us to have that information uh, um, well before it was even reported by any. regular news outlet that's for sure yeah so i guess is there is do you have like a like a a few different end goals for how you want to purpose what you've built well there's a there's a main uh, there's one concern is staying up to date because huh? catching up with all the past is obviously a mounting uh, is an expanding problem huh? So um, just by staying up to date and um, on all the transactions, I think that that naturally builds with time, that um, that allows to have um, very detailed information of what has happened. So just persevering, like in uh, many things in life, but um, persevering would also expand the value of of this over time. And then how to use the information? Um, there's different ways of. Um, just a second. Um, there's obviously different ways. Currently, it's not it's not um, it's not sold or monetized in in a, in a particular fashion. So that's something that would uh, I would like to develop going forward. You know, to to be informed ahead of time of big movements um, could uh, obviously be of interest to um, a variety of people, in particular traders, for example. But um, so it's also building building this knowledge over time, which. Uh, which I think will provide huge value in the future of understanding all the money that's been involved, for example, with an exchange like BitMEX or, or others. Um, it could provide information that is of, um, of interest to uh, multiple parties. You know, how much money has actually gone through everything by um, touching uh, close or far to a specific um, exchange or activity. Yeah, I know. And then I was going to say that um, definitely FBI, NSA, CIA, they definitely want tools, right, to be able to track activities on the blockchain. Yeah. Yeah, especially. But I guess, so what, what really drove you to, to create or to, like, you know, want to harvest all this data and then kind of create some new level of transparency to all the data and kind of, because, like, it's there, right? It's, it's, all, it's all there for the taking. It's just who... Well, um, there's a great part of... Uh, exactly, it's very available and it's yeah. very um, highly reliable. It's raw data and um, it enables, I mean, just like the blockchain and the nodes and having the full blockchain at home, well, mm -hmm. um, it gives the opportunity for, for each of us to, to have this access. And um, just that in itself is, a, is an attractive concept for me. Yeah. Um, to have um, 
to have that knowledge and information available. Uh, yeah, that was the um, the main spirit behind it. And then obviously it's discussions and um, interactions with uh, with different people and partners we have, which uh, which leads to uh, actually that's a, I mean it's a great thing. It's a um, in the sense where we can really have information that is unfiltered, um, and then especially with the long-term view of it, it was um, it was something that I think is worthy to um, continuing to develop. I, I, I absolutely agree. It just it, it's just it, it takes so much foresight. I feel like I guess I guess for you it 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 might seem like like an easy connect the dots because of your background. But for a lot of people, I think they would take that information for granted, especially early on. Fair enough, but it's definitely not for granted. I mean, if you have any kind of, uh, if one has any kind of experience with our regular financial markets, it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it's definitely there's definitely room for improvement. There's absolutely no traceability of of anything to a large degree, be it um, donations for uh, organizations money flow of your money when you when you purchase the goods and services with different yeah. companies it's very opaque exactly where the money goes um, so understanding a bit the world better I think is always a plus and uh, especially now that we have access to the most uh, the most highly evolved monetary system with the capability and the capacity given to to everyone to um, to have a direct insight on it yeah, definitely. And um, so there's three parts to the parser. You know, there's okay. the tracking of the um, the old coins. Mm -hmm. So that's roughly tracking more than 80,000 wallets, which have not moved for many years. So obviously that enables to uh, connect the dots as well. Typically, for example, if there's a, you know, there's a, if I have a, a thousand bitcoins, I can separate them on on a thousand different addresses. If I don't want to have everything on one, right. but if, but if, for example, I choose to move them all at the same time, um, they will they will immediately get connected to each other because a thousand wallets share the share the characteristic that they have not been touched since you know eight years and one month, and then suddenly a whole set of these wallets start to move at the same time or even within the same week, you can relatively easily. Um, at least hypothesize or conclude that they are all linked to the same uh, same person or entity. So there's different ripple effects that come out of um, tracking these cryptos. Mm -hmm. And then obviously there's the um, consolidation of, of movements. So um, between certain specific addresses that there's over this over a given month, there's a it's a total of more than a thousand bitcoins moving in or out. That's also um, a valuable information. For example, you can then understand or um, see if there's more money being deposited on exchanges, which is potentially, you know, a sign of a of a sell-off to come to a certain degree, even though you yeah. can use it for other things. Or if there's big withdrawals, as we've seen recently from from exchanges, yeah, that's uh, that's obviously removing liquidity for sales. Yeah, so you could um, you can obviously take that into account when when trying to understand uh, what trades to make with regards to Bitcoin other than just holding it. Yeah, that's very interesting. So you're seeing the the 
influx and efflux of of the of value and you can kind of predict when a sell off or a or uh basically a new a new local maxima is going to occur and kind of move around that absolutely so so yeah. that's not 100% uh, reliable of course uh-huh. but it but it can drastically um, improve your odds uh, typically when it was in march you know there were there were big movements and then um I mean, three days later, there was a huge um, drop off. So um, typically, if you can combine, I mean, I think the key point is of uh, combining elements of uh, information. And this yeah. is typically a, a relatively, reli- I mean, for one, it's a reliable information. Mm-hmm. Two, it represents actual value, since it can be thousands and thousands of bitcoins. So that has a monetary value behind it. And then you can extrapolate on the uh, consequences it has. Interesting. And then if you can combine that with other technical analysis, I think you can greatly improve your um, your odds. Yeah, it really, it really seems it's you know how people say kind of like information, like knowledge is power. I mean, you you are collecting all the knowledge of of the new money, and it's it's interesting. It's um, I. From my background, my background is more build things that really are physical, tangible things. So for for me to like know that somebody is out there building something that's basically sifting through a lot of information at a time, it's just it's a cool concept to me because most of like again my work is you know, more tangible. But that's. that's... And, uh, I mean, uh, obviously, I find there's a tangible side to it since it's <laughs> actually happening. And then, yeah. and then, uh, even though it's not my uh, my area of uh, expertise, but typically with regards to the um, the um, banking system in general, uh-huh. uh, to a very large degree, um, they are obviously uh, cautious and hesitant. But one of the key points is is to understand and know the origin of um, bitcoins. And so it's typically um, through the blockchain and through services like our parser, yeah. we can uh, we can offer tools and set up systems to to uh, trace the bitcoins and uh, obviously in the spirit of probability. But but does it make sense the bitcoins uh, claimed by such a person? Does the blockchain transactions um, confirm that or um, contradict that? Yeah. So the, New clients, new people who claim they've got bitcoins, we can we can also help to um, to clarify the origin. Interesting. And, um, yeah, so so that's an upcoming, I think, topic more and more, be it in the Swiss banks or other institutions. Is the people who come with Bitcoin wealth is uh, is that they are obviously pretty cautious <laughs> with regards to the potential origins that these bitcoins can have. Is uh, how can they be sure or um, alleviate some of their concerns with regards to the um, origins and where these bitcoins have gone through? So I guess when, like, can you can you talk a little bit more to that effect? So when you say that they're worried about the origin where they came from, so you know they don't want it to be like Bitcoin that's associated with crimes, basically. Yeah, certainly. I mean. Huh. Uh, I guess the ideal situation is someone coming along saying uh, they mined bitcoins eight years ago and they've never moved and they've yeah. got an address on the blockchain and it's never moved. So that's, uh, that obviously can remove uh, many questions. If, if it's typically related uh, 
to some um, uh, recent hack, that's typically not something they would want to be involved with. That makes a lot of sense that you would have to, you would want to know that information. That's, um... Yeah, and, and uh, currently I think that's really not very developed, even though there's many, there's a few tools available. Yeah. But um, it, that's not really been regulated so far, in my opinion. Do you ever think, uh, you know, the concept of, you know, crypto kitties, or basically the concept in general, um, when you when you come to this space, is people want to be close to the, in terms of the, the, the actual Bitcoin that they hold. I think that there was this idea floating around that the, the Bitcoin that you have is worth more if it has exchanged hands the least. Oh, yeah, the least. Yeah. Yes. Well, well typically, uh, yeah, there's definitely a market for that. Yeah. If you have Bitcoins that have never moved for eight years, uh, there are people who would be willing to um, to purchase that. That's for sure. But have you seen like any, any market trends that indicate that there might be a premium towards that? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, yes, absolutely. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, but yes, because, uh, I mean... It can serve multiple purposes, but it uh, but it helps to it helps to clarify the origin of the bitcoins in particular. Um, it is not moved, and it's on this address, and it is not moved for eight years. So you know, you can be pretty sure it's not been involved in anything much over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. So that so that removes a lot of uh, uncertainty. Interesting. Obviously, that's on a case by case basis, and I guess it depends a lot on on. On who you are and what and where you are and what you're seeking to do with your Bitcoin. So, if it's just to purchase something online or keep it for the long term, maybe that's less worthy. But if it's to um, to deposit them somewhere, yeah. Oh, I hear one of the supercars in your background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's. Yeah, off you. So, so tell me, so I guess you, you, it seems like you've had a lot of experience working with banks closely with the intersection of what BTC parsers allows in terms of data and also what banks are looking for in terms of, I guess, risk reduction. Um, yeah, yeah, well, that's, uh, that's typically, uh, typically uh, a common, uh, common theme. Is that they, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, they don't understand. And secondly, they're scared. Well, I mean, obviously, they go hand in hand. Right? It's when you're ignorant that you're scared. Yeah. And, uh, so it's more the unknown and not willing to be the first ones taking the risks. Yeah. Um, but things have evolved. I mean, for what it's worth, uh, over all these years, we've uh, finally had uh, two, uh, two or more bankers as clients. Uh, so that's, uh, that's taken a fair share of time. Oh, okay. Banking world is typically, in my experience, uh, at least here, it's, a, it's not an easy public clientele for Bitcoins. But 2020, with the help of a global pandemic, maybe, and a very active printing press, um, yeah. we finally uh, onboarded uh, some bankers. So that's a, that's a change in the trend, definitely. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's definitely becoming more and more commonplace. And, um, Switzerland overall, I think, is pretty positive. There's many uh, legal frameworks which, uh, which are favorable to cryptos, but banks, um, I would say, is not um, is not the case. Um, 
It's relatively difficult to interact with these banks and cryptos. So are banks pretty much your 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 biggest clients for BTC parser? Are banks in general? I guess is that's no, that's... not yet, but uh, in the future, I think um, I think that could be a very strong development. Um, Interesting, because it helps them solve solve a problem, and it provides yeah. value, and it makes people more confident uh, to do business together. So I think that's things that can help facilitate that is um, is positive. That sounds great. Uh, um, currently, I think it's more individual. We've got traders or um, family offices, um, and I mean, maybe more private individuals on an individual basis who are interested in uh, in having this uh, raw information, being able to be informed quickly about it. Yeah, and, um, and it's obviously to be combined with other things. Interesting. Wow. That's that's really that's really interesting. So, what other projects besides BTC parsers do you uh, you find the time to work on? Um, well, we've um, to facilitate the. Just a second, I'm just getting out. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, we've set up. We've started uh, setting up with. Uh, I mean, basically facilitating investment. Uh, there's many positive attributes to cryptos. Um, there are some some parts which are relatively easy to sell, which I think is a, has a is a good target. It's not always very profitable, but I do like it in terms of um, you know savings account for for children or even for working people. Yeah. Um, but uh, in general, on a more pragmatic level, is uh, we've set up um, a trading investment fund uh -huh. to uh, facilitate. Um, uh, exposure and investment in bitcoins to people, because there's this um, there's this aspect which I which I have difficulty with, but I've I'm I've persevered to turn this to in my advantage. You know, so yeah. there's certain um, uh, misunderstanding of Bitcoin. You know, what is it based on? What is it backing? So it's a bit so so you, there's a bit this sense of lack of um, a structure behind it. That's true. You know, which I. You're dealing with a lot of people who are are basically tech ignorant, I guess. So, so they have a, I guess, yeah. So, so yeah. Tell me, tell me more. Sorry, I'm, I'm just really sorry. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just very interested in hearing what, what kind of issues well, face. Yeah. Well, it's very, uh, in my humble opinion, it's very pragmatic. So don't worry. Yeah. So it was. Um, so in my experience, selling a Bitcoin is not is not easy. Uh, it, it takes it can take a lot of energy and time yeah. but um, if we can wrap up the Bitcoin and ethereum and some trading in the in the scope of an investment fund yeah it's um, it has the advantage of providing a relatively familiar product because there's this uh, it's an investment you have shares in a dedicated uh, fund right. there's reporting there's storage there's auditing. So there's this aspect of the a bit, I guess, the packaging and the wrapping, which which I think offers some level of familiarity. You know, it's uh, I mean, for people who have made investments, it's like okay, well, this is something I've done before. Other other than this time, it's in Bitcoin. So it's not directly into a Bitcoin. It's through the through the mechanism and the vehicle of an investment fund. So, yeah. uh, however simple that may seem, um, I think that offers some structure. There's obviously a legal 
um, uh, environment. And yeah. um, that has, I would say, facilitated the selling and uh, has, uh, has enabled to, um, to gather a certain amount of clientele. So, um, so basically, to my, the yeah. clientele that you're talking about, they're kind of looking for like an ETF or like something that looks like a stock, but is like basically uh, like a long-term futures contract that's cash or maybe, you know, crypto settled by whoever's holding the underlying yeah. asset. Certainly that level, but I would like to just go one, one step deeper is yeah. uh, I obviously value tremendously holding the Bitcoin and uh, not okay. and not having an IOU from some um, centralized exchange because I've uh, there's the experience is is very the statistics is very clear on the topic it's not always understood but from the beginning uh, since 2012 um, uh-huh. storing bitcoins on an online platform is is a bad idea and you will lose and these kind of odds have been around us, uh, well, at least for me, since the beginning. Huh? And yeah. even in 2020, there's been more than 75 exchanges or platforms which have suffered or totally disappeared with relatively huge sums. Huh? So right. the objective of the fund is, is, is typically not to have some kind of um, uh, promise or IOU of someone, but to, as much as possible, fully own and store the underlying assets, which obviously offers, in my humble opinion, the great advantages of not being the, at least the least dependent on unreliable third parties, sadly. Yeah. So um, that, that definitely has value, in my view, of uh, having actually having the whole Bitcoin rather than having a promise from some third party saying that he owes you a Bitcoin. That's definitely not the same thing. So I guess that goes without saying that it it's probably a huge turnoff for you for the fact that a lot of, uh, especially exchanges in the U.S., have kind of been turning into, <laughs> you know, taking, they're, they're, you, you know, the, the whole you don't, you don't own your keys, you don't own your Bitcoin. Well, well that, I mean, it's a really, in my view, it's really a full package of problems. Yeah. I understand that it can provide the appearance of easiness and facility. Yeah. But, but you pay a very high price for that appearance of easiness. Uh, it turn, you know, is that uh, if you do if you do not take time to consider how to store it, that means you have you have not actually solved the problem, but you have delegated the problem to someone else. But that's not that's not sufficient to solve the problem. But you do, but you do get to be uh, complacent and you and you delegate basically. So your ideal future is basically everybody is holding what they own in, you know, Bitcoin. Uh, to a large degree, but even even being decentralized, you know, in the yeah. sense of one person in a family, one person in a community, but at to the extreme, it's it's everyone has their own. That people would say is is not uh, is is not always going to be feasible. But uh-huh. even if you're one or two or three layers removed, it's still far better than being. Um, like one out of five million people on one exchange. Yeah, your odds are are going to be far better. And I then obviously there's all the reporting issues. 
Yeah, I guess you're speaking from like a whole history of like, you know, like Mount Gox probably happened to you, right? You were probably a part of that. Well, I can share briefly because um, I used Mount Gox quite a lot and it yeah. worked flawlessly. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, one day um, it, there was delays and it, and it delayed and it delayed and yeah. something was wrong. And uh, I thought I was uh, smart. Well, I don't know what the word is, but I did get out of that. So this looks shaky. And, wow. but, I, but then I moved partly to another outfit, uh-huh. Bitcoinica. Yeah, based in Singapore, and uh-huh. uh, they had the merit of storing with Mount Gox. Oh, so yeah, I see. What is your so opinion? I did so I did get to participate in that, and uh, <laughs> and that has repeated. <laughs> Gosh, man. Sorry, you were going to say? Yeah, no, no. I was just going to ask you. You know, what do you think about? Um, so like Singapore is 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 they're trying to yeah I, I guess all these different cities around the world right um, I forget what the city is in 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 Switzerland that's your basically the the Silicon Valley but for crypto uh, that's called uh, it's known as the Crypto Valley it's uh-huh. the um, uh, Zug Canton Zug Canton okay okay but basically out of next to Zurich yeah and and uh, as of this year they've uh, formally officially accepted that you one can pay their taxes in Bitcoin. Yeah. So Tsug, um, I'm pleased is uh, staying ahead of the game. <laughs> and um, I think that's a good move. So that's the Swiss German part. Yeah, so it's uh, definitely active. Yeah. And uh, I am and we are representing more on the uh, French speaking side. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so I guess everybody's trying to what do, what do you think about um, who's going to become and like I guess who has who has the laws and the infrastructure in terms of traditional banking merging with crypto mm. to become the custodians those kind of like long term stable secure yeah. custodians that help you secure your, mm. your Bitcoin. Well, I, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but uh, <laughs> but I would argue um, Switzerland has a has a good card to play. Yeah. Obviously, the um, banking secrecy has has suffered a bit over the last few years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Obviously, thanks in part to to good old USA, but in terms of um, storage of information, uh-huh. that's basically what uh, Bitcoin is, and the uh, respect of privacy and a certain level of co- confidentiality. Yeah. I think Switzerland has a has a good um, good position, and the. Um, and the laws have have evolved every year recently, yeah. and um, they're definitely in favour. the The banks themselves, I would say, that's the that's a bit the the struggle. I mean, the the pending part. I see. But there's a there's IT service. I mean, even before Bitcoin, there were there was already safe storage in bunkers of. Uh, um, IT information that you could store in uh, safely. Yeah. So um, I think that combines pretty well with Bitcoin. So what do you think about? I, I guess like when we, to kind of like take this concept of like when I was asking you about who do you think like capitalized oh, yeah. world, who is the most stable, secure for for the future, and then you have this idea of people like that own your keys, own your Bitcoin, 
And then you have yeah. the, the idea that entities like, for example, Coinbase in the U.S., right? They're beginning to operate less like an exchange, I would argue, nowadays, and more like a mm-hmm. bank. And in the way that they actually, they don't have FINRA, right? So they don't have like um, FTI, or they have FINRA, uh, I believe, but they don't have the FDIC. Uh, you know, we, we basically insure mm-hmm. um, your losses up to, you know, say $250,000, yeah. We don't. Yeah. They're they're starting to have that those types of security guarantees mm. by yeah, yeah. But that's a yeah. But that's a guarantee given by a by a corporation. That's um. It's going to be difficult to compensate for Bitcoin. Oh, okay. So that's your that's your. I was just about to ask. So, what's your opinion on 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 that corporations giving their guarantee and making it look like, again, to what we're talking about, making it look like mm. it's more secure. Well, I mean, obviously, if, if history has anything to say, the, um, the Mt. Gox uh, popped in 2012, uh-huh. and, the, and the proceedings are, are still ongoing in 2020. That's, that's so true. You're right. So, <laughs> yeah. so if that's any indication, yeah. it's, uh, it's right. uh, the guarantee of someone is... Uh, I mean, obviously, that's an easy word, guarantee. Uh, yeah. In what, in terms of timing, in terms of value? Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So uh, obviously, there's no easy way out. Huh? If you store it yourself, you've got to invest time and money to understand how to store things. Yeah. Um, and obviously, that comes with risks as well. But um, strategically, at least in my experience, is storing it online in an exchange is a is a bad idea and will have to lead to a loss. I see. Man, Whereas those yeah. that I stored in a cellar or in a bunker in a mountain, well, they're still there. Yeah. Mm. Man, this, this discussion with you is, uh, is actually leading me to... I, 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 I'm the person who doesn't store any of my crypto on an exchange. I just kind of okay. move it around. Um, but it's just, it's just kind of interesting to kind of validate my the movements of, of of what I've been doing over the past few years. Oh yeah, well, well, time is definitely on your side. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> mm. that's for sure. Interesting, very interesting. And um, then there's a, I mean, there are some other projects, but I put them more in the the long, I mean, long term, uh, medium long term development. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not our current focus, but uh, in Switzerland, I think there's a. There's been a few cases of tokenization of company shares. Mm-hmm. And um, that I think, I mean, it's not a current activity, but in the years to come, uh, I think that has a very solid mathematics behind it. And, um, and then there's the area of um, invoice factoring, mm-hmm. if you're familiar with that. But it's, uh, uh, so it's not related to Bitcoin in particular, but... Um, uh, using blockchain to coordinate uh, when there's three or more people that are involved in a transaction, I think there's a benefit to using the blockchain, basically. Interesting. So, and so invoice factoring is typically financing for companies on the basis of an invoice. So that requires coordinating the business owner, the investor, the insurance, credit insurance, and the platform uniting everyone. And uh, at least here in Switzerland, the the banks no longer offer any any returns. Huh? 
The mm. savings account for children is a is a whopping zero. Yeah, and it and it will soon be negative. Huh? Wow. Yeah. No, it's it's getting pretty low. I yeah. Here it's like point one or point zero something. Yeah. And so now with the um, yeah, with the with cryptos, be it in stable coins and in lending and borrowing or financing of company uh, operations, mm-hmm. there's the opportunity of um, linking together companies and investors in a very much more direct manner. Uh, at low cost, providing yeah. liquidity to the companies, yeah, and um, and return on investment to the investors. So that I I consider is a is a pretty good combination and okay. illustration of blockchain in use. I'm seeing this theme, this this kind of underlying theme that you you have the foresight, like like a lot of I guess there's only a handful of people that both have the skills and the foresight to kind of start building things in, in a certain direction. And lately I've been seeing a lot of like, a lot of organizational structure, restructuring projects lately. Um, it's It seems like the purposes that people are, like at, at least that I've been exposed to recently, they're, they're uh, less useful in, in terms of the actual, the, the pragmatic end goal of what, what will be delivered. So it's 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 just interesting hearing hearing what what types of ideas that you you plan to work on and yeah yeah but there's obviously something I learned along the way is that um, I cannot do things myself and we've got to be a team uh, that I've learned over the years so because um, I was um, I did feel a bit solo in cryptos for a few years yeah uh, but now it's definitely changed and there's more uh, there's more interest so we've been able to set up some some operations and activities. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's definitely about the corporation, sorry. Because yeah, uh, yeah. by myself, I didn't manage to, I mean, I managed myself in cryptos. But yeah. to really set something up requires a, requires a team. So, like, if, if I were to ask you about advice, so if I'm, if I'm looking to build a, a company based on the idea that I have in the blockchain space, what types of know-how should I have before I start? And what kind of, I guess, where 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 do you like build a team? Where do you find, you know, basically? Yeah, people? well, um, I don't have the, um, I can share what works for me, but it's basically um, talking about uh, crypto and blockchain to basically everyone you meet. And yeah. sometimes it leads to, you've got to go through a lot of people who lead you to, who refer you to someone else and someone else. and. Yeah. And then at some point you reach a, I don't know, a breaking point where, where something happens. Um, that's one level, which is. Yeah. Um, otherwise, um, I like the idea of the of the book, the um, the Go Giver. The the Go Giver. The Go Giver. Okay. You know, uh, what can you bring to the table? What can you offer? Yeah. And that helps to um, to make connections Ooh. with people. Who is that by? Um, sorry? The, the book that you mentioned, The Go-Giver? Yeah. Oh, I see it. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's another thing. I, I might consider asking that to people who come on the show. Just ask them, you know, what kind of book do you, do you think is kind of relevant to the work that you've done and maybe the, has, that has inspired you? That, that That's really cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's obviously not related to crypto and in particular, it's more yeah. of a, 
mindset uh, in general. Yeah. But yeah. Um, what 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 I and we try to do is to focus on the. It might sound obvious, but on the high value, high value added services and products. Because blockchain can and will be used for many things, which which might not, which which can be uh, intellectually interesting, etc. But does not provide um, much value at the end of the day. I see what you're saying. So I think trying to solve problems is a, I think is a good, uh, is a good um, guideline. Um, and um, and then obviously thanks to the internet, I mean you can basically find people in all types of skills, be it copywriting, uh, legal, websites. Yeah. So. That's true. But definitely blockchain, I think, as I like to say, that's a, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a growing market. So that obviously helps to, to make it profitable for everyone. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a flat or downwards market makes it a bit more complicated. Since it's a technology that is growing, not only in price, huh, but in use cases and um, an overall utilization. I mean, it, uh, it gives a possibility of making something profitable for, for you, yourself, the company, the clients, and everyone in between. That yeah. obviously helps my, my mood. <laughs> my mood, yeah. That's, that's really, it's been really great talking to you. Man, I, I, I feel like I've learned... I've I've learned a lot of different little little different things in in a lot of different areas. Just you know, talking about you or talking to you, you know, topically on higher level things. So, um, yeah, I guess to to kind of wrap it up, um, you know, Corey, if if Corey and D were here, they would ask you the question. Okay. This is the this is their their uh, their thing their shtick. Um, so at the end of the podcast, they they ask, um, how would you sum up Bitcoin or blockchain in ten words or less? Um, ten words. I'm sorry, I didn't count the words yet. Um, <laughs> no, but it will be something along the lines of. Um, um, wait, something obviously limited in quantity, oh. and we've removed the most unreliable element, being the human being, in our monetary system. Maybe that's more than ten words. Wait, I'll give it another shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, go. Uh, Bitcoin is the. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I did write that one down, but I don't have it available. But it was um, finally. I mean, it, it's finally money that is limited and reliable. Okay. Okay. Finally, money. Okay. So money that is limited and reliable. I can go. Well, with um, it. actually, if I may develop that a bit more, what yeah, I find ahead. interesting is that the. The, uh, the total amount is limited, obviously, of Bitcoin, but mm -hmm. everyone can have a share uh, through the divisibility of the Bitcoin. So that obviously offers a, a very powerful combination where the total is limited, but everyone on Earth can have a share. So that enables to the small amounts to build up in the tsunami in that sense. Uh, so it's not limited in the sense that no, not everyone can have it, but the total is limited, but everyone can have a small share. Interesting. I think that goes. I think. I think I'm seeing it again. Another thread of continuity with with people who have like a a background or seek a background in economics, which is this idea of scarcity in general and how you can build on that. 
Yeah, well, well, that's a. I mean, it's a. It's a very powerful combination. It's a, it's scarce, but you can still have a share. Yeah. yeah. But especially, it's reliable, and because uh, we've removed the human being, which is sadly has turned out to be unreliable or inconsistent, inconsistent. Be it the politician or the banker, they, for whatever valid reasons or not, but they can change their mind and change things. Um, whereas Bitcoin offers stability and reliability that the rules will not change. Yeah. I mean, uh, like we've reached a time in 2020 where one Satoshi, which is 100 millionths of a Bitcoin, yeah. is, is a higher value than five or seven national currencies. That's true. Yeah. I mean, years ago it was when one Bitcoin was worth more than a dollar. Yeah, that's true. I've been watching it rise on the, I think it's the CIA fact book, and you can kind of see its market cap in relation to other countries' market caps of their, you know, uh, M0. And it's just, it's interesting to see it rise. I think it got, I think it peaked around uh, maybe 30 or 20 something in terms of uh, ranking. Mm -hmm. it's very I mean, uh before the Bitcoin, um, I did have a certain um, appreciation for the Swiss franc, for example. Yeah. You know, it's a relatively uh, reliable store value, etc., etc. But sadly, compared to the Bitcoin, it's of no comparison. I see. Well, again, thank you for your time, Andrew. And thanks for coming on thank and you. just talking to me. And this has been really great. It's been my pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh... And welcome back. I forgot that I hit record for a second there. and I'm, We're back now. Um, hey, so we're just going to keep this short. We're going to keep this sweet. You know, how come saying it short and sweet? Like, so, nobody ever made it short and sour. You know, that doesn't feel right. But, you know, some people like sour as a flavor. So, anyways, um, We'll keep this short and sweet, you know, join the Slack, go to the Bitcoin join the Slack, join the conversation. There's many great people on our Slack. We do a great job curating it. We're building the community that we like. We hope that you'll be a part of that community. So join it, join the Slack, hang out with Slack with us, Slack off with us. We're a bunch of slackers. Look at us. Look at us. Um, they can't see us. It's a podcast. Yeah, but they can feel us by our oh, voice. Okay. Like they can listen to the voice and feel like what we look like. Oh, okay. don't you do that sometimes? I do that all the time. I get the people wrong every time, though. Uh, what they look like for their yeah. voice. Me too. But then I just negate the way they really look for my fake version in my head. So then I just oh, never okay. look at them again. You know? Wow. Like every every woman on NPR looks like Ellen DeGeneres in my head. Just different versions of Ellen, like tall Ellen's, short Ellen's, maybe curvy Ellen's. Maybe, um, you know, skinnier Ellen's, black Ellen's, Mexican Ellen's. But every woman on NPR is an Ellen DeGeneres in my head. So they're mean? Oh, well, not, no, not 2020 Ellen. <laughs> not, 2020. <laughs> not, not, not 2020 Ellen. She's clearly got some stuff going on. I'm wow. talking about pre-2020 Ellen. Like, 20, like 2012 to 2018 Ellen. You know, okay. like... 
hey, come on my show. We're going to dance. We're going to like, we're going to love everyone. We're going to, you know, get, you know, little black kids on here that will dance with us. Like that, Ellen, like that, Ellen. That's NPR. Yeah. Yeah. But not as excited. Just like, you know, in the NPR voice. And they're like, no, today, 15 boxes of cereal were purchased at, uh, you know, fucking this random town. You know, NPR talks about boring shit. You know, so uh-huh. so like that, but they all look like Ellen. Okay. Right. Huh. And and every, I mean every hip hop radio DJ looks like Jermaine Dupri in my head. I don't know who he looks like. Oh, okay. What he looks like? Uh, he looks like. Oh, he just looks like Jermaine Dupri. I can't really explain it. Let's see. Um. So. Yeah, sorry guys. I got a little bit sidetracked there. Jesse's fault, not mine. Not my fault. Wait, join what? the Slack. Bitcoinpodcast.com. Go to Slack. Join it. If you can't, we don't want you there. Because it's really easy to join and we don't want a bunch of dummies hanging around. So uh you know if you if you can't join, I'm sorry. Um and what else? What else we got going? We got oh Patreon. If you go to patreon.com, search the Bitcoin Podcast Network. You're going to see um, us. You're going to see, you know, what we do. We're swinging it up. Obviously, it's slow to move uh, because Jesse, Corey, and myself have jobs outside of making this podcast. But we're working on it. Shout out to Daniel. He's helping us. Uh, shout out to Alicia, of course. Shout out to Andy. Uh, and, you know, we got a small team, but we're trying to do relatively mediocre things. So, you know, <laughs> we're trying to do- <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm serious. We're not like A-Pomp every day fucking sending 20,000 tweets and fucking getting Bitcoin repped I on honestly, Wall Street yeah, and shit. I, the way you guys talk about every other Bitcoin host or podcast, it's like they're really going all out. They're going hard in the paint for this shit, yeah. and we are not, bro. We just love it, and we like to learn about it and talk about it. And that's pretty much the extent that we can get to. We definitely ain't trying to get on CNBC and shit or MSNBC. If they put me on MSNBC, it would be a shit show. I almost want to see it. They're like, what are your price predictions for Bitcoin? They're like, what? Oh, we're gonna talk about? We're gonna talk about anything else? Oh, I guess. So. Oh, that makes sense. Alicia's saying a lot of them are former former Wall Street guys, so they have money. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, uh, so check out our Shopify store. Um, it's store.thebitcoinpodcast.com. Um, and there's all kinds of stuff on there. We have everything from shirts to underwear. We got boxers, uh, you know, boxers that say stuff where the, uh, you know, the naughty zone is. Oh, wait, it's up front. I thought they're on the back. I thought it was on the front where the naughty zone is. Oh, one mystery I'll never understand is why there's a giant hole in the front of boxers. Like, I don't get that. And then sometimes there's a button on that hole. So it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What the fuck, but, man? Uh, like, who designed that? You know? And the shittier the boxers... Huh? Yeah, 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 that's true. Boxer briefs are legit, but the shittier the design of the boxers, the more that hole is likely to be open. So, like, I just don't get shady boxers anymore. Why don't you because, make your own boxers? I don't know, because I'm you not... You can solve the dilemma all of, other men who feel the same way that you feel feel about their boxers. I'm going to put a zipper on the front, so you got to go double zips every time you want to <laughs> use the bathroom. Or I'll get, I'll get super, super high tech, have a pair of jeans that pair with the boxers so that the zippers link 
so that you can you can double zip. You only got to zip down once. It links to the boxer zipper, and there you go, boom. That sounds uh, not washable. It does not sound washable. Uh, <laughs> and let's so you can support us at the Patreon. Uh, we got some tears on there. You can get yourself some hot Cheetos. Um, also, shout out to Megan the Stalin. You're doing your thing. I think a lot of people don't appreciate you for who you are as a human, but I do. Shout out to Zoe. <laughs> what are you laughing at me, bro? That was a heartfelt hey, shout out. That's, a, that's pretty good. Whatever, dude. You give a shout out. <laughs> you give a shout out, uh, I don't have anybody to give a shout out to right now, though. I don't have a Megan the Stallion or whatever. It can be uh, what it can. It doesn't have to be somebody that is illustrious. It can be like okay. your mom, your sister, your you know some woman that's important to you in your life. It can be anyone. All right, I'm just gonna do a shout out to the Double AMC for ripping off all the pre meds in this whole process. <laughs> shout out to Alicia, of course, hero herself. Shout out to um, Michelle Obama. Shout out to Zazie Beats. Uh, I see you, girl. You just got that new role. I see you. Um, and and shout out to um, Zoe Saldana. Even though um, I feel like you don't appreciate me anymore, Zoe. You know, uh, I've given you roughly two hundred and ninety-five shout outs in the past five years, and not a single time have you said, oh, thanks for the shout out, D. So, you know, either you're not listening or you don't care. So, um, you know, I'm really thinking about cutting you off, girl. <laughs> uh, and and shout out to the producers of Sonic the Hedgehog as a brand. You're really hanging in there. I don't know how you've done it this long. <laughs> really... All right. Play outro